As they passed by the play area, Hastings found his eyes flitting to the climbing frames where two young girls were laughing breathlessly as they chased each other. You miss it, I guess? Grace said. I don't know you, he said. I sure as hell don't know you enough to talk about that. We clear? Sure. It was a statement, nothing more. My father is up ahead. Where? he said. She pointed towards the lake where one of the many benches located about the park was facing the water. A figure sat with ducks at their feet, the birds scrabbling for chunks of bread. As they neared, the man on the bench looked up at them. Hastings estimated he was in his early sixties, but still had a generous mop of gray-white hair that blended with a neatly trimmed beard. His gray eyes were behind rectangular, gold-framed glasses. He stood up, and the movement was smooth, his trim figure demonstrating a man who knew the benefits of keeping in shape. Mr. Hastings, Appleby said, offering his hand. The waxed, green barber jacket the older man wore creaked at the movement. Professor? Hastings acknowledged taking the hand and pumping it twice. I thought we'd be meeting somewhere more... Stuffy? Appleby said with a small chuckle. I spent eight years at Oxford University's Museum of Natural History. That's enough stuffiness for any grounded anthropologist. I'm very much a hands-on scientist. I heard this isn't about science, Hastings said. Appleby gestured for Hastings to sit down beside him. Grace walked down to the edge of the lake and stood staring out across the water. Hastings went to sit but found an object preventing him from doing so. A black briefcase on the bench's beech wood slats. What's that? He said. Your fee for this little chat, Appleby said. No doubt Grace told you the arrangement? Yeah, Hastings said as he picked up the case. He sat back down and placed the briefcase at his feet. I ain't used to people sticking to the deal. Quite, Appleby said. He watched Grace squat and throw rogue pieces of discarded bread to the ducks who had now migrated back to the bank. So why am I here? Hastings said. My son is missing. Appleby's frankness caught Hastings off guard. He took a moment for the professor's comment to sink in. Ain't that a job for the police? he said. That won't do any good, Appleby said. He's abroad. I hear they got police abroad. It's not that kind of missing. Go on. His name is Michael, and he's thirty-nine years old, he said softly. A brilliant scientist, father of my two grandchildren. You're a father, too, are you not? That's not up for discussion. I understand. I merely meant that you know what it's like to lose your family. Hastings sat back in his seat, but he was tense. He was prepared to fight anything but a past he'd helped to destroy. Will you help me, Mr. Hastings? Appleby said. I'm a man of means, but even I have my limits. Well, I can't dispute that, Hastings said. 
I won't ask how the hell you found me. Ask and I'll tell you, Appleby said bluntly. But it involved lots of money and calling in many favors. Who says money can't get you anything you want? Hastings said. Well, Appleby said with emphasis, that adage still remains to be seen. Where is he? Hastings said. Your son. Nepal, Appleby said. The Annapurna Range. You mean the Himalayas? Hastings said. Yes. What the hell's he doing there? That's altogether a different story, Appleby said. Well, the five grand at my feet says I got time to hear it.